0: My guest today needs absolutely no introduction, Deepak Chopra. If you've ever followed this work, my podcast here, you would know that I normally am not the kind of person that would get excited when I meet a rock star or one of the top athletes, but when I meet one of my teachers, I am so humbled in his presence and I'm so grateful for the opportunity. And Deepak, we met a couple of times. First time was... Right around the time when I issued my first book, when I published my first book, and, you know, I had no idea what I was doing. Deepak's always been Deepak, and we spoke together on a panel in New York City uh, where obviously, obviously, he knew a million times more than I did, but he was so kind and so generous. And every uh, question that was uh, issued to the panel, Deepak would look at me and say, I think Mo would answer this better. No, I would not answer it better. But the confidence and the kindness uh, of him encouraging me to try to do what I was doing is probably the reason I am here today speaking to you. It's probably the reason that you heard of my work. Uh, I have to say I have learned so much, so much from Deepak that I honestly and truly feel that I spent a retreat with him. Uh, because I followed all of his work, all of his content he may not know, uh, and I always found nuggets of wisdom in his work that are summarized in such a short and precise and articulate way that it would blow me away. It's such a joy because today is the second time I meet my teacher who is here in Riyadh speaking at the leadership conference of uh, KFD Uh, the uh, King Abdullah um, uh, financial district in Saudi and uh, he spoke in the morning about leadership and I thought it would be a wonderful opportunity to bring the wisdom of Deepak Chopra uh, to all of you. So Deepak, I start by not thanking you for the opportunity to be with you today, but thank you for all that you taught me. Uh, And I know you get this quite a bit, I don't think you can even imagine how much difference you've made for so many of us. Has it always been this way? Have you always been this wise, this articulate, this... I mean, it feels somehow that anytime you're asked a question, you know the answer already. You somehow answer it in two and a half words, sometimes two and a half sentences, and we go like, yeah, I get it. That's exactly what it should be. Has it always been like that?
1: I don't know. I mean, I'm still uh, figuring out uh, my own identities. (laughs) Are you really?
0: I can't believe that to be true. What do you mean? How can Deepak Chopra be figuring out his identity?
1: In a way, because uh, every identity we assume is provisional. Mm. It has uh, nothing to do with who we really are. Mm. Uh, Where you went to school, your credentials, your bio... It's a constantly evolving identity, I hope. And none of it is really you, is it? None of it is really you, because it's all the conditioned separate mind, conditioned by everything from economics to ancestors to religion to societal norms, nation states, tribes, nothing nothing that you assume you are is who you really are.
0: Does that mean that
1: all that we hear
0: about in terms of finding yourself and finding who you are is futile? I mean, is it not something we should dedicate effort and attention to?
1: Well, it's certainly your self-image. Your personality is your self-image, but it's not yourself. So yourself is when you remove every label, what's left. What's left is... Interestingly enough, um, what we call I. I was a baby, I was a child, I was a teenager, I'm a young adult, I'm an old adult, uh, all the way to dusty death. So, I is a constant. The body mind is not a constant. You are a fertilized egg, yeah? embryo. So, what is that I that's a constant? Mm. So, you know, everything else is in time, but I is not in time.
0: But then that I is also separate from everything that's ever been me. So it's different than all that I
1: considered is me. What you consider yourself is a conditioning of the infinite as a finite expression. Mm. Because I is infinite. I Mm. doesn't have borders. I doesn't have a form. Mm. This is a form. And it's a verb. It's a changing verb. Mind, body is a form, and the experience of the world is also form. But I has no form. You know, it's what the religions say. You know, Allah has no form. Correct. But therefore, whatever that entity is must be infinite, without cause, not in time, incomprehensible, unimaginable, irreducible, but fundamental, everything else is kind of a, derivative. a derivative of that. Yeah.
0: I have to say the questions are at the magnitude of the teacher. So I am actually going to ask very difficult questions that I'm completely puzzled with in today's world. When, when we think of the infinite that we are, humanity has always felt that we were the sort of the superior life form. We were the only life form that was aware, capable of reasoning, that was sort of aware of its surrounding in a way that is intelligent, if you want. And we live in a world today where there are questions around the society and the, and the world that we're creating, where there are other forms of entities, artificially intelligent, that are coming to join our world, and they are... Interestingly, behaving in ways that mimics consciousness, mimics life, sentient, they're sentient in their behavior. I mean, first of all, what's your view on AI? Do you think AI will ever be alive in the form, in the way we think of life? And then do you think it will ever actually mimic the way humanity is in its consciousness, in its interaction with emotions, with values?
1: AI will be super intelligent, more intelligent than any human being, because as you know, you've written about this, uh, AI uh, can take all forms of intelligence, biological intelligence, linguistic intelligence, artistical intelligence, musical intelligence, mathematical intelligence, and create super intelligence. But that's not consciousness, okay? So consciousness, I have a digital twin called Digital Deepak. Uh, Do you? I did not know that. He's been on many shows, um, Uh including CNN. And, you know, the anchors ask him questions like, what did you eat for breakfast? He says, I don't feel hungry. Uh I don't have sexual urges. Mm -hmm. I don't fear death. We all think of you as that. It's like, you know, know, it's like Deepak. (laughs) I don't fear death. I don't have existential conundrums. So, you know, intelligence and awareness are not the same thing. Correct. See, intelligence is still a byproduct of awareness. And awareness cannot be replicated. It cannot. Its, its modes of knowing can be replicated. So, awareness knows itself as experience. Correct. And yet, the awareness of an experience is independent of the experience. So, if you look at your television screen, you're seeing a program. Let's say that's the experience, but you need a screen. Yeah. And the program will come and go, but the screen is, in a sense, in this metaphor, timeless. That's correct. Okay, so awareness is that screen on which events happen, experiences happen. The experience includes what we call mind, what we call intellect, what we call our ego personality, what we call our five senses, what we call our imagination, what we call our creativity, what we call feelings and thoughts. They are ob- objects of experience. Mm. you know when people say "I, the body mind," they mean the body mind, but that's not true. Absolutely. The body mind right. is an object of awareness. Explain that. Let's not pass this quickly. What is it that knows I have a body and a mind?
0: Correct. It's what my, is it? It's my awareness. It's right? your
1: awareness. Yeah. So awareness is the common ground of experience in everything in that plant. The plant has a different mode of knowing. Mm. It will gravitate towards where the sun is. It will capture photons, photosynthesis. That's a different form of knowing. Mm. A bat experiences the world as the echo of ultrasound. What does the world look like to an insect with a 100 eyes? Mm. Uh, I could give you many examples, okay, but what we call perception is a species-specific mode of knowing. Correct. But awareness is the common ground in all these modes of knowing. So it, it unifies us, my awareness and the
0: tree's awareness and the insect's awareness?
1: Is one awareness only. But its modes of knowing are species-specific. And as humans, we have the ability to trace back every experience and go to its source. So you say, you know, I think the major problem with science today, you know, if you look Google or these days chat GBT or whatever, say what are the 125 open questions in science? The first open question in science is what's the universe made of? Now you'd say we know gravity, space time, particles, particles yeah. force fields. But by the way, that's less than four percent of the universe Correct. in any case. The rest is non-atomic, so we have no idea what it is. Dark matter. Probably dark not energy. Yeah. Probably unknowable, even though we try to attempt to know it. Unknowable because it's not atomic and you and I are made of atoms, so we can only interact with atoms. Anyway, that's four percent of the universe. Of which 99.99% is invisible interstellar dust. So the 2 trillion galaxies, which is the visible universe, 2 trillion galaxies, 700 sextillion stars, uncountable number. And right now, because of the telescopes right there, looking at biospheres, they say probably 60 billion habitable planets in just the Milky Way galaxy. (laughs) Yes. Milky Way galaxy, sixty billion habitable planets. Habitable because they might be in what is called the Goldilocks zone. If a planet is too close to its sun, too hot, no life as we know it, too far, too cold, no life. And then other things, gravity, etc., has to be like us. But given that biosphere, sixty billion, almost certain habitable planets in the Milky Way galaxy. Multiply that by two trillion and the number is enormous. Okay. But here's the problem with the atomic universe. As you know, when you are looking at particles, they occupy space and time. Mm -hmm. They have matter and energy. But you stop looking at them, they evolve into probability Probability, waves in mathematical space. So, If you really want to know what the universe is like and you want one answer, it's made of nothing. So that leads to the second question in science. If it's made of nothing, why does it look like this? Like you, me, like this... Bracelet. Bracelet, like this hand, like this shoe. That's called the hard problem of consciousness. And so the second most important question open science is what's the biological basis of consciousness. Now, you know, I believe along with a few other scientists that these are the wrong questions. Hmm. The universe there's no such thing as a universe. It's a human construct for a species specific mode of experience and knowing. There's no objective universe. What you and I call the universe is a human label for human sensations, perceptions, images, feelings, and thoughts. So it's a construct. There's no universe, number one. There's no physical matter, number two. Nobody has ever actually found a substance called matter. When you look for a substance called matter, all you have access is to your own perceptions. Correct. So, And we call that matter. But that's a nice name and it's convenient to do science and technology. But that is not giving me access to fundamental truth. Because I'm starting with an assumption that the ontological primitive of the universe is a a substance called matter. But even atoms and molecules and force fields are human constructs for modes of experience and knowing in the human mind. if you ask the wrong questions, what's the universe made of? What's the biological basis of consciousness? You never have an answer. Right. There's no biological basis of consciousness because biology itself is an experience in consciousness. Correct. Right? How do you know you have a biology? You experience You're it. You're yeah. conscious You're of, it. of it. You're aware of it. You're yeah. aware of it. And furthermore, it's a verb. It's not a noun. So your mind and body are constantly changing. Every experience is a perceptual snapshot. So I look at you, I look here, I look back at you. That's a different snapshot. Mm-hmm. Now, you might say, but it looks the same. Actually, it doesn't. And I keep taking selfies of you over 10 years. I see that there's a transformation. Yeah. So every experience is a single perceptual snapshot, period. Now, we give continuity to it because we create a storyline out of it. That's human. We create stories and say, I have a body, I have a mind, I have a personality. But if you actually examine this proposition very closely, you say, is there such a thing as an unseen color?
0: Is there such a thing as a color we've ever saw the both of us the same way? It doesn't matter, but is there... Must
1: be. An unseen color. What would an unseen color look like? Because as soon as you say seeing, you imply that seeing it's, it's is the color. supposed to be seeing oh. it, yeah. Okay. So when you look at every experience, you'll see it has no reality. It has zero reality. So you know, Western philosophers have said this, "Wit can shine, our life is a dream, we are asleep. But once in a while, we wake up enough to know that we're dreaming. The Buddha said the same thing. Mm -hmm. This lifetime of ours is transient as autumn clouds. To watch the birth and death of beings is like looking at the movements of a dance. A lifetime is like a flash of lightning in the sky, rushing by like a torrent down a steep mountain. So I've asked you right now, what happened to your childhood? You'd say, it's a dream. But if I asked you what happened to yesterday, it's a dream. What happened to this morning? It's a dream. What happens to these words? By the time you hear them, they don't exist. So everything you're looking at is a ghost. It's already happened. Okay, You and I are fictional characters in a collective dreamscape. And our spiritual quest is to find out who or what is doing the dreaming. Who or what is dreaming this Thing that we call the body-mind. Now, if you were a religious person, you wouldn't have a problem with this. You say, Allah is doing dreaming. We are God's dream, or Brahman, or Ain or It, whatever it is. What is it that dreams the world through different modes of knowing and experience? Because the body-mind is just a mode of knowing and experience. Every living species is a mode of knowing and experience. Now, this leads to you know your question will ai ever become conscious and the answer is no okay in fact ai thrives on being predictable yeah. right and there are two terms in ai that you obviously must know perplexity and what is called entropy yeah. so perplexity influences the likelihood of an answer you start typing out i will can you have and it already types out dinner with me. And then it says, tonight, tomorrow, it gives you ideas. So it's trying to be predictable. On the other hand, entropy is a measure of unpredictability. Consciousness is unpredictable because it's creative, fundamental creative. So even though AI will simulate creativity, it cannot have fundamental creativity Nor can it have conscious experience, nor can it have subjective dilemmas. And uncertainty, ambiguity, contradiction, and paradox is the basis, and chaos is the basis of creativity. So even though we think these systems will be immensely creative, they'll be super intelligent, but not creative. Creativity means disruption, you know like fundamental disruption we say these days disruptive technology but disruptive technologies has to be fundamentally disruptive which means a complete destruction of context meaning relationship and story dead and a new a new one is emerged it's like you know death it's a virgin birth Mm. it's um, is to be born again in spiritual traditions, to see the world as if for the first time. Because as soon as you're born, before you're given a name, you have all that. You have infinite possibilities, full of wonder, curiosity. You have no limits to your imagination. You have empathy. You kick a dog in front of a baby, it winces. Okay, because it has feels what the other feels. it's connected. But then as soon as you give somebody a name, a nationality, a tribe, a religion, you limit possibilities. And even AI reflects those biases, as you were saying this morning in your panel.
0: Let's go back to AI, because I think what you bring is a much bigger topic than AI. So this entire physical universe is a subjective experience for the dreamer, let's just call it that. The human dreamer. The human dreamer.
1: This is a human universe. It's not the universe of, of a bat that knows reality through the echo of is a of very different a
0: ultrasound. very different universe. Uh, yeah,
1: or a snake that moves through infrared. Correct. Or a chameleon whose eyeballs swivel on two different axes. You can't even remotely imagine what this would look like to a chameleon. That's
0: absolutely spot on. I mean, we always so use examples. There's the example. no such thing yeah. as
1: the universe. There is the
0: perception of every different vantage point of a species to the universe.
1: Correct. And the source of that is awareness. But I mean. Awareness is not species-specific. Awareness is the common ground. So it all adds up to
0: one... F- one Singularity, as you call it. Yeah, one s- not source, but destination of all of our awareness.
1: And source. And source and, and, and source probably. the yeah. Alpha
0: and the Omega. So here's the question. If this entirely is happening within our awareness, our consciousness, not our physical minds or brains so that nobody mixes this up, These are just instruments to give us the perception. But if this is all happening within our own construction, if we want, why are we so concerned about it? You said the objective is to connect back to that dreamer, to that side of you that's aware of all of this, correct? Why are we so concerned about AI is rising, AI is falling, AI is dangerous, AI is amazing.
1: Why do humans spend so much of our living? as humans we are conditioned to feel that we are separate. And separation implies fear. And so everything we do as humans is based on fear. and The conditioned mind. So, you know, this is a very important question which you're asking. Where does experience happen? Right now, where is this experience happening? Let's look at this in a little deep way. Okay, I'm speaking to you. Let's see what science has to say about it. I'm speaking to you, I'm vibrating vocal cords. The atmosphere is vibrating. There's something happening in your eardrum which is vibrating. There are little hair follicles in there which sense the vibration. They send an electrical current to your brain and you hear deeper, but there's no sound in your brain. Yeah. There's no. Um, there's no experience in your brain. If I put a knife through your brain, you don't feel pain. Any anesthesiologist will tell you. All you see in the brain is electrochemistry. Correct. Now, the heart problem of consciousness is we don't know how electrochemistry produces sound. But where is the sound? There's no sound in the brain. Mm-hmm. Okay? There's no sound here. because All this is, is vibration okay? of, of air molecules. So where is the sound? And the only answer you can come up with, it must be an awareness. Now, where is this awareness? Well, you can't localize it. You can't see it. It doesn't have a form. If it had a form, you'd see it. So actually, this sound is being processed outside of space-time. That's a mind-boggling conclusion. Ah. Okay, now also look at vision. Say, ask, I do this regularly with neuroscientists. And they've never thought of this, you know. So where is the experience of seeing happening? Let's say I look at that object, okay, so those, those utensils or that plant. Where is the experience of seeing that plant happening? Some people will say it's happening there. But I say you are here, how is the experience happening there? Then say, it's happening in my eyes. Sure. That Your eyes are 2.5 centimeters by 2.5 centimeters. They're 9 centimeters apart. Your retina is curved. And by the time light goes there, it crosses over and everything is inverted. So if the experience is happening in your eyes, then you should see two of me about this size, <laughs> upside down and curved. Mm-hmm. It's not happening in eyes. Mm-hmm. So it sits in my brain. Well, my brain is 10 centimeters by 15, 14 centimeters by 12. How does this building or that tree or that Milky Way galaxy fit inside here? See, it's very mind-boggling. You do not know where experience is happening. Mm. You say, okay, then it's happening in consciousness. Where is this consciousness? Can't see it, doesn't have a form. So every experience that we have is being processed outside of space-time. But we bamboozle ourselves by saying i am in this body mind and then i am here and everything else is there okay but the body mind is also being experienced the same place yes, where right. everything else is being experienced yeah. so where is experience happening the only thing you can say is it's happening here in this space this space right in front of you is connected to intergalactic space correct This space here, you are surrounded by infinity right now, okay? Right this moment, you are surrounded by infinity and your connection to infinity is this. Now, if you talk to some really good um, cognitive scientists, they'll say the space is modifying itself into objects. Mm. And now science tells us that too. You know, the fundamental activity of the universe is whatever you might call it, the quantum vacuum. Correct. And particles, virtual particles, Uh, popping in and out, exactly, as determined by the uncertainty principle, Mm -hmm. and somehow that's leading to this world. Remove all the objects, even space would disappear, because space is defined by the objects in the space, and the objects are modifications of space. So space, which is infinite, is awareness.
0: Once again, that basically means that none of this entire physical existence matters at all because awareness persists before and after space-time. Correct. And, and that we're going through this experience so hung up about
1: it. Because of our false identity. Because of our provisional identity.
0: Because we believe that we are the avatar, not the, not the dreamer.
1: You believe you're the avatar and not the dreamer. But the dreamer is one. The dreams are infinite through different modes of, this is an instrument. Think of this as a biosensor. Five senses, five motor organs, feelings, thoughts, emotions, interpretations, conditioned mind. It's a sensor, it's a biosensor. That's all it is. So this is not who you are. This is an experience you're having. You're a non-local being having a local experience and the locality is based on false identity.
0: And is your explanation then that this is a multi-threaded existence of one single being?
1: Correct. Multi-universes. You know, now if you talk to some brilliant scientists like Caltech Professor Sean Carroll, they're not interested in what we're talking about. In fact, uh, you know, when uh, what's-his-name got the Nobel Prize in Gravity uh, recently, two years ago,
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I cool asked
1: him about consciousness, and he said, "Not interested in consciousness. I don't want to understand consciousness. I don't give a yeah. shit about consciousness." Um, but yet, if you talk to now the new guys, the one the one the Nobel Prize recently on entanglement, which is very getting close to that entanglement means. Every experience is inseparably entangled with every, every experience. other. It's not connected, yeah. Yeah. entangled. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So what they call the multiverse, Sean Carroll says there are infinite universes. Yes, I agree. There are infinite universes, but they're all species-specific biological mm. expressions of a singularity. Mm. What you this morning also referred to as. Uh, as the, yeah, you refer to it as the singularity, as the singularity right? Yeah, yeah The singularity differentiates into entangled universes.
0: Okay, this is going to be a very deep question that I have struggled with for a very long time. So, you know I'm a video gamer. Yes, yes. And this I, is a video game. Yes. So, to win a video game, or to end a video game, there is one of two ways. One is to win, and the other is to enjoy the, the gameplay until the game ends. And in a very interesting way, humanity, with our attempt for control and building civilization and, and improving things and protecting our tribes and so on, as we are within this illusion of an avatar, we're constantly trying to win the game, when sometimes failing might actually be a very interesting option. So so one, one of my wonderful conversations recently, Stephen basically was saying that failure might benefit humanity to slow down climate change or to uh, sort of reduce our constant strive for capitalism and capitalist growth and, and consumerism and so on. That's another interesting way of sort of playing the game. But another way altogether is to just let the game end, right? Like, in a very interesting way, some people pessimistically will say this is the most disruptive time of humanity's time, right? We have climate change upon us. There is uncertainty around where... AI in the wrong hands, you know, what, what that could do to us. There is a bit of geopolitical, a bit of economic challenges, and so on. The way you describe it basically says, chill. The dreamer doesn't care about any of that. The dreamer wants to experience all of that. The dreamer wants to be emerged and submerged and to feel it and to sort of relate to it. And But it's really not affecting the dreamer at all. Is that a possibility that this is a video game that's like Tetris at the end of it, getting a little faster and
1: eventually will pass. The key is to differentiate between a game and play. Totally. Okay, it's so a game you want to win. Yeah. Plays you want to enjoy the experience. Correct. In-
0: infinite and finite games, right? Yeah. In- infinite games you just want to play forever. You play, don't game, care play. So so if you win or lose. If won. you
1: treat this as a play, then you can assume any role you want. You know, like a great Shakespeare, Shakespearean actor. That's One... incredible, Deepak. Yeah. It's... So can I ask you this? Yeah.
0: Look at you and all of the incredible wisdom that you've acquired over the years. Someone else was born the same day like you and may have ended up through a, different, a very different
1: path of life. And you're saying those two lives are the same if we learn to play. Absolutely, absolutely. The two lives are the same because what is playing the game is infinite. The game itself is finite. Mm. The the infinite will keep on playing games, whatever it is, or play. And it plays nicely. It plays everything, you know, from an insect, to a bird, to an eagle, to a cloud, because all these are just modes of knowing and experience. So in human case, the modes of knowing and experience are mind, intellect, ego, feelings, perceptions, thoughts, images. That's all there is. You know, if you want an acronym, SIFT, SIFT. Sensations, images. Sensations include five senses, mm-hmm. images, feelings and thoughts. There's nothing outside that. The rest is a story, human story. Latitude, longitude, Greenwich, meantime. Yeah. All concepts right? money yeah. made yeah. it up. Wall Street made it up. Nation-states made it up. Tribes made it up. Religion made it up. I mean, even genetically, there's one genetic pool from Africa, right? Yeah. And then it's climate change after that. And so, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> that's it. You know, and if you really think about this, you ask the question, the last extinction, when the dinosaur yeah, were wiped out because a meteorite fell, was 65 million years ago. And had that not happened, we wouldn't be having this conversation. That experiment, dinosaurs, was doomed. Mm. Maybe this experiment is doomed too, you know. I, the other day, I went to... A, I was thinking about this 2 trillion galaxies, 760 trillion stars, uncountable trillions of planets. That's not even a grain of sand Correct. in all the beaches of the world. Yeah. So the other day, I went to a beach and picked up a grain of sand was difficult to hold it, and then a little breeze came. Took it away. And the beach did not notice. <laughs> it didn't affect the beach. So if the human experiment fails in evolution, something
0: else will emerge. But then as that human experiment fails, every one of my listeners is sort of really worried about themselves and their kids and their savings and how will they deal with it and, you know. Well,
1: because they're attached to the provisional identity not knowing that it could be your destiny to play an infinity of roles, but you're not the roles you play. You're the you're the awareness yeah. that is playing these roles. You know, like you go to a great Shakespeare theater or whatever, there's the villain and there's the hero, the good guys, bad guys. At the end, they all come and take a bow. They've all played the, their role. So I think, you know, when we talk about... Uh, divine and diabolical, sacred and profane, the good and the bad. All experiences by contrast. The infinite must experience infinite roles; otherwise it's not infinite.
0: I'm going to repeat this in case you guys didn't grasp it completely. It might be your destiny to play infinite roles, but you're none of the roles that you play.
1: That's it. You're the witness of the roles that are playing. We call it I. I was a baby. I have a different body, different mind, different personality. And, you know, this should keep evolving unless you want to run for president. Then you can (laughs) stop at age eight years. (laughs) Win the votes. Yeah, exactly.
0: Let's go back to AI for a second. So what would make us not believe that this is an extension of human consciousness
1: it's It's an expansion of human
0: experience experience that's a very very clear distinction do you think it would have its own species created universe maybe it will perceive the universe in a way that's different than our perception
1: super intelligence could lead to super perceptual possibilities
0: yes and those don't necessarily have to be passed on to us to be, to be fed into the universal consciousness. They could be a form of experience of its own.
1: Everything is modified consciousness. See, there are three ways of looking at the world. Everything is physical, matter. Yeah. So let's call that matter-only ontology. It fails for two reasons, because nobody has actually proved a the existence of a substance called matter. What you call atoms and force fields and, poly- mo- and uh, molecules or atoms correct. are human constructs for an experience. Correct. And even are, a Higgs boson, yeah, you have and, to have an experience. Correct. You, you
0: know, have to observe correct. it to exist. To exist, and, and there are many experiences that are not made of matter at all. The experience of my respect for you or love correct. and so on. So, and it's even matter, matter
1: cannot all. explain experience. Correct. So the second is dualism. Rene Descartes, Mm. that fails because the mind and body are two different things. How do you lift your hand? It starts with a thought Mm. and it ends up with a physical thing. Mm. Okay, so dualism violates the laws of thermodynamics. Mm. So out, matter only, out. You're left only with one possibility, consciousness only. Knowing itself as modes of experience. So I would say, what is this? It's a modified form of consciousness. Experience says this. Okay, what is that modified form of consciousness? What is AI modified form of consciousness? But it's still modified form of consciousness. So if you believe only in the consciousness model, consciousness only, everything can be explained as a mode of perception or a mode of knowing, as a mode of experience. And AI is an extension of that. You know what the joke
0: is, if you think of it this way, is that all of science and all of our
1: progress just went the wrong way. Yes. We studied the wrong topic. And that's why we are in this crisis of an unjust social, economic injustice. Because of separations. Separation. Unsustainable planet. Bad health. No joy because of the separate self because of the separate self you know so when when they say love is the ultimate truth maybe there's reason to believe love is the ultimate truth not as a sentiment not as emotion but as the ultimate truth that there's one being having infinite experiences
0: and that love in that case is that sense of belonging or connection between the two correct uh, Take any experience, of that experience, track
1: it back to its source. Yeah, any experience—sound, touch, sight. There's no sound in the physical world. There's no color in the physical world. Say so color—it's photons. Photons are invisible. Yes. Right? So where is color? Only in consciousness. There is not here. No, not here. Yeah, this yeah, is in yeah, yeah, consciousness. Yeah. This is all is that. being yeah. processed outside space-time. Mm. All this. This is. So like the video game. Yes,
0: it is. It is really like this is... The more unpredictable it it
1: gets, the more creative it gets. Of course. So, you know, that's another problem with AI. We're trying to make it predictable. Of course not. Okay. impossible. uh, You're trying to make it predictable. And in fact, the system is better if it's more predictable. Mm. Right?
0: But that's not... It's not possible. Consciousness is unpredictable. So, do you think we're just adding to the fun of the game as as the world becomes.
1: Except we want to win. You see, as long as Uh you have this orientation of winning, then you'll destroy the world.
0: Yeah, which is, we should just be. Just play. Yeah.
1: Just play. Play. What would you advise people in those times of uncertainty? I had a prayer I used to teach my children Mm -hmm. when they were growing up. Whatever the mystery of the universe is, Allah, God, whatever. Please make today more unpredictable than yesterday. More unpredictable. Yes, because if you start with that assumption, nothing goes wrong. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> and by the way, everything yeah. is unpredictable. This is okay? this is only the past is predictable. Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
0: Otherwise, everything is unknown. It is the design of physics. Entropy is the idea that everything
1: will break down. Correct.
0: Basically, this is you know. We're just following the laws that were set in motion at the beginning.
1: That's it. Entropy is the basis of creativity.
0: Deepak, I have found your humbleness quite
1: humbling for me. It is... There's no choice when you know that the more you know, the less you know. You know, Socrates said, the only thing I know is I don't know. Because even what we call empirical facts are species-specific modes of knowing and experience. You say it's actually every empirical fact is a magical lie. Every experience <laughs> is a magical lie. Your experience tells you the Earth is flat. Nobody believes that anymore. Your experience tells me that we are sitting on ground that is stationary. It's spinning at dizzying speeds and hurtling through space. at thousands of miles an hour. Your experience tells you things are solid. They're proportionately as void as intergalactic space. So, whatever you measure as empirical fact is a magical lie. Now, it works because we can create technology out of it. Yeah. So,
0: we think, wow. You we create this. more lies on yeah? top of it.
1: More magical lies. More really. magical lies. So, you start with a magical lie. And, you know, when you say we're creating VR, we are already in a VR.
0: We are already in a VR. I mean, in, the body mind
1: a- is part of the VR. And one
0: of my favorite spiritual teachings is is how the Sufis will say to die before you die.
1: That's it. Jalaluddin Rumi, God's language is silence. Everything else, poor translation. When you are silent, it reveals itself to you.
0: This has been an extreme urge within me for the last few years, to constantly disappear 40 days at a time.
1: I do it regularly. Not 40 days, I do couple of weeks at a time, yeah.
0: Yeah, I think this year I'm going to be forced to do weeks instead of... I have to say, when whenever I completed 40 days, the last week was so insightful. It was truly the feeling of living. I will say it was the only times where I would truly feel that I managed to connect to myself, to the source, to others, right? And it's so funny because... We think that I connect better to others when I hold my phone and I text them or I call them or I see them. Or... It's so interesting how deep... So deeper...
1: solitude is not the same thing as loneliness. Of course solitude not. Solitude, you connect with everything. Loneliness, you disconnect even with yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when you, when you say silence is the language... That's uh, Jalaluddin Rumi. He says God's language is silence. Everything else is poetry. So what, what is
0: found in silence?
1: Infinite possibilities, infinite creativity, self regulation, spontaneous evolution, intuition, insight, imagination, creativity, transcendence, all in silence.
0: And we, humanity, once again are moving almost the exact opposite yeah, way. We're more time. connected, but more lonely at the same time. Yeah. So we spend our time more and more in the noise.
1: In the noise, also. I would say we've sacrificed ourselves for our selfie
0: (laughs) as a human race. (laughs) (laughs) So he's
1: constantly looking for likes, likes, validation, and it lives in fear. The selfie lives in fear. I was talking to one of my very dear friends,
0: very, very, very successful, millions of followers. And we were discussing, again, about artificial intelligence and how we have become slaves to the machine. So we're not actually looking for the likes of humans. We're not looking for humans to say, I like what you said. Yeah. We're looking for the algorithm to favor us enough. In fact, people buy those algorithms, yes. right? It's crazy. And, and somehow, no more do we actually value that human connection that someone actually looked at something I said and said, yeah, that's nice. Thank you, Mo. We're more interested in how many of them in an aggregate have somehow said, like, so that the number on the algorithm looks good. Such a disconnection from the reality of who we are. Yeah, we're basically...
1: yeah. we are fictional characters in a collective dream
0: I would talk to you forever. Like, if you allow me, I would literally shadow you just to listen to you speak. But I find that my favorite podcasts, I normally finish quicker because I think our listeners need to go and listen back to it. Yes, I agree. So if I were to ask my teacher, to give me one advice.
1: You have a choice, either resist or flow. That's it. Resistance is this matter. Flow is the vast expanse of consciousness in which every experience is a ripple. It comes, it goes, but only that infinite, spaceless, timeless, boundless, irreducible, fundamental, incomprehensible mystery remains. So I would say you can't solve the mystery, but you can surrender to the mystery.
0: I forever am grateful that you exist. I am truly and honestly you don't speak to my mind, even though you do. You don't speak to my heart, even though you so deeply resonate. But somehow being in your presence so you're very kind. makes me feel that oneness. That though clearly you are at different stages, there is such a unity between you and
1: everyone I have seen you around. Well, there's a memory of that unity, okay? No child is ever surprised that they exist. They just see this world, they're They'd wondrous. Like, yeah, I know this. <laughs> and then here it is. So, you know, if you're not perpetually surprised by your existence, <laughs> then it's not worth it. <laughs> yes, the awe your, is the, your, is the experience. That you exist should be a perpetual surprise. You know, there's no explanation. Who yeah. said Mo should be here or Deepak should be here? But here we are. Here we are. Against all the odds, it's been my absolute
0: favorite experience, Deepak. Thank you you so much for being my guest. Thank you so much for being my teacher. And for all of you listening, you know what I'm going to tell you. This is not the kind of podcast where I would like you to stay for an hour more. This is the kind of conversation that you stop now, go get yourself a drink, and listen again. This is so profound when you really think about the possibility that this experience, all of those roles that you're supposed to play, that is your destiny. The destiny is to play the role, not to be any of the roles that we play. That perhaps play in a world of so many uncertainties is a much more fun game than a world that is predictable every day. I cannot thank you enough for giving me the opportunity to be with amazing souls like Deepak and to have those conversations that enrich me and I hope as much enrich you. And for that, I am eternally grateful. Remember to slow down a little bit and enjoy the game. I love you all for listening and I will see you next time.